Hey everyone, welcome to The Bottle Comic, a weekly comic book podcast hosted by a gay black man, a questionably straight white woman, and a special recurring guest who is here all the time. (laughs) I'm the gay black man, Monte. I am the uh, unquestionably straight white woman. Um, And I'm not ever leaving, and my name is (laughs) Melissa. (laughs) Good to see you. Veronica, you didn't say your name. Oh, I didn't. I'm Veronica. Yeah. So (laughs) in this podcast, we read a story arc in comics each week, and we analyze it with Veronica's literary background. I almost said background. (laughs) (laughs) No, sadly. Sadly, I have no background. (laughs) No. Uh, My unhealthy obsession with Marvel Comics and Melissa's borderline alcoholism, all while enjoying an alcoholic beverage. So... Today, I am drinking, once again, White Claw, but this time it's raspberry. Ooh. That's exotic. Mixing it up. Have you yeah. heard of raspberry before? I didn't yeah. think they had raspberry. Oh. oh, everyone who's in the know knows about <laughs> raspberry White Claw. I'm not in the White Claw, no. I am not basic enough. Uh, I'm Veronica, and I am drinking the Winking Owl Moscato, which is a less than $3 bottle of wine from Aldi. Nice. <laughs> well, I'm celebrating this weekend, so I'm drinking a 13 bottle of wine from Kroger, uh, and it's called Josh, <laughs> and it's a ridiculous name, but <laughs> it is a good Cabernet, so that's what I'm drinking. Cool. Good job. Can I ask you why you're celebrating? Oh, uh, it's my five-year wedding anniversary this weekend. <laughs> Yay. Congratulations! That's why I bought a $13 a bottle of wine <laughs> to drink. Yeah, so really, I try to uh, just buy reasonable bottles of wine that are only 5 or $6. But this weekend, I just said, you know what? I'm going to buy this $13 bottle of Josh wine. Josh! I don't know if you've ever met a bottle of wine that you didn't enjoy, and it's very helpful for saving money. Yeah, it is very helpful. I don't need a $20 bottle or $60 bottle to enjoy wine. I forgot, though, that one time I bought that sewer wine, Mad Dog wine, and no one enjoyed it. So, aside from that, real wine, always enjoy for Melissa. 99% of wines I will enjoy. Congratulations on your wedding anniversary. Oh, yeah. I was just mostly congratulating myself about the wine, but yeah, thank you. (laughs) It's fine. It's a great day when Melissa has a bottle of wine. Also, maybe when she got married. Who knows? That was a while ago. Like, whatever. (laughs) It's a, I'm only mostly eating cheesecake today, which is also a tradition for our wedding anniversary, is to buy a big old cheesecake and eat it over two days. Joyfully, I had ice cream cake for my sister's birthday earlier today. Mm. See, it's not special. It's not as special, but it is ice cream cake. <laughs> I almost got a cheesecake, but the bakery only takes special orders. Oh, gotcha. So I wouldn't have been able to get it today. You should have told them that it was your friend's five-year wedding anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> but we're recording a podcast today. I need cheesecake. <laughs> Anyway, so this is season two of the podcast. We already did episode one, but it was a little unusual in that Melissa hosted it. Yeah, I Thank hosted you. it. Thank and, you for hosting that. And I ruined the intro, so you're welcome. <laughs> so if you want, we can talk about ourselves to kind of give a recap on who we are and why we're here. Yeah. Other than to drink wine, yeah. which so, is why I'm here. 
Monte, what makes you good enough to host a comic book podcast? What are your credentials? Uh, there's nothing that makes me good enough for anything. <laughs> First of all. First of all. <laughs> I really like Marvel comics. I've read Marvel comics for a really long time. Do you still have your but... membership on Marvel? Yes, I do still have my subscription to Marvel Unlimited. Um, it's a really great service and gives you access to all of the Marvel books that you would want to read. Except there's like weird random holes in some like volumes. Right. I was going to yeah. say that would be an ad, except for the last part where you were like criticism yeah. of what they're missing. No, that wasn't an ad. If only um, they were. Hang if us. I were a person also who wasn't specific to marvel and i read marvel and dc that would also be a disincentivization because you only get half of your comic book milieu what because dc also has a <laughs> subscription service yes. and you'd have to pay for both of them if you read equal amounts but you really like marvel yeah i i really like marvel usually that's pretty much the only thing that i read that's part of the reason why i was excited to do this podcast so that i can read some stuff that's not marvel yes um but also but yeah. make us read a lot of marvel comics yeah so i mostly read the x-men and that's probably what i know the most about but i also like spider-man i also like avengers like the the really big ones that aren't x-men i don't usually like comics like ghost rider or punisher or the like grimdark mm -hmm. sad super masculine comics i'm not into that shit super masculine <laughs> fantasies yeah that i'm not so much into but y'all same yeah. question to you same question to me um back I have, at you girl i have almost zero credentials to talk about comics except that i was an english major so i cannot not analyze things in a literary manner which makes me unable to enjoy all the fun movies that you guys like to watch for I enjoy the really shitty movies. Like, I'm always going to go back to Power Rangers. <laughs> yeah, you're... <laughs> I really didn't want to watch that, but then I enjoyed watching it when you were like, shut up, Veronica, we're playing the Power Rangers movie. Yeah. Suck it up. There were some hot people in that movie. <laughs> there were some very hot people in that movie. Beautiful Solomon. people. Yes. <laughs> but that's why I can't watch a lot of TV that's just like, just fucking shut up and enjoy it, Veronica. I'm like, I can't. I have to criticize it so i have to read i have to read or watch complete trash or really good things <laughs> nothing in the middle but yeah i never was really into superhero comics because i was so intimidated by like the back catalog and like only when we started this podcast i think did you really explain to me that like marvel comics are continuous and everything that came before is canon unless it's like an alternate reality or spinoff Whereas DC does, like, resets every now and then. So I never knew, like, where's the point where I can start reading Batman, for instance? Because you have to do some research to find out. Um, but I always kind of wanted to, because I'm a nerd and I like nerd shit. But I read, like, The Sandman in high school and some other one-off things. And then when the Teen Titans cartoon was out, I read a lot of the, like, DC wiki articles on characters. So I learned a lot about, like what happens in the stories but never actually read them and this is a good opportunity to actually read them teen titans is great we should watch teen titans for this podcast yes at some point i want to do an 
an episode where I pick that's like a comparison and I want to watch an episode about a character and find the corresponding comics of that event and do like a compare and contrast maybe. Or maybe they'll be separate episodes. We'll see. Anyway. Melissa, how about you? I am a very relatable person in that <laughs> I haven't read any comics. When you're listening to a comic book podcast, that's what you're looking for. Oh, Melissa, but there's a single title of comic <laughs> on which you are a long-standing expert. Obviously, with the exception of Archie Comics, <laughs> am I someone who hasn't actually read a ton of comic books um, I read a ton of co- Archie comic books, and I saved a lot of them from my childhood. We never bought a bunch because they're kind of expensive, but I'd beg my mom for them every time we went to the grocery store. Uh, check outline. But then I read a lot of books, not comic books, but books themselves, until I went to college, where college ruined books for me. Yeah. I stopped reading <laughs> for fun because I just was dead inside and yes. it was really great um and it wasn't until much later after college that i was able to get back into books through audiobooks yes you actually read most of your first physical book for the first time last year i think yeah so i've only started getting back into physical reading with the avatar the last airbender kiyoshi trilogy of books that have been coming out mm-hmm. they're awesome and I couldn't put it down and read it over like a weekend. Um, but yeah, no. So I, I pretty much am only here for the <laughs> wine. I would technically be drinking it without you guys, but you are in my house. Yes, and we put a microphone in front of you, and then you say glorious things. So I'm forced to participate in our friendship. And your great podcasts. Have you continued to rewatch lots of Avatar, or did you get distracted by your new I just, television thing? I just keep putting it on when I randomly need something. Because Avatar Last Airbender is on Netflix now, and it's great. Um, but the series we're watching right now on Netflix is Lock and Key, because Monte mentioned in the last episode, and, and uh, my husband and I need something to watch. So we actually started watching it. I say, you do have some very robust nerd cred because what you and your husband were watching before was every series of star trek (laughs) Uh, okay well i will clarify because actual star trek nerds will say yeah but did you watch the original series and to that i will say no because it's boring and it is very long and we watched like the two most interesting episodes and then we moved on with our lives yes because and i'm sorry i'm sure it's great but not for me. No, yes. it's not. Our, like, friend group, which includes a couple more people than just us, our first attempt to do sort of a book club type thing was we were, like, strategically watching movies together. You guys started off with Twilight because of a incident. Yeah. But then we yeah. moved on. We watched all the Star Wars movies. This was before the new ones came out. And then we were going to do all the Star Trek ones, but we watched two no, and we watched three. We watched three? I don't even remember. I was going to say we only watched one. I think you guys blacked out from the first one. The because first it... one was like, the actual story content was like the length of a regular episode, but padded out to like an hour and however long with just long sweeping space shots. Yeah. And we kind of gave up on that. It was pretty awful. But also in between Twilight and Star Trek, 
Melissa and I watched The Hunger Games. Oh, Ooh, yes! Also with Elizabeth Banks in it, same as the Power Rangers movie, which you love bringing up because it is an amazing movie. That's just what my mind goes to. There's been more weird, bad movies you've made me watch or TV shows, and I just forget because Power Rangers. Yeah, super great. Um, yeah, the Star Trek movies, we didn't get into the, the best ones. Uh, I definitely think the Star Trek second movie was... <laughs> Really good. Really interesting. It was much really, better than the first one. They picked up the pace and put in a full movie's worth of plot points in the movie. Unlike <laughs> <laughs> the first one. Um, but yeah, no, we watched we watched Next Generation, we watched Voyager, we watched Deep Space Nine. We took a small break before starting Enterprise simply because Monte has watched Enterprise and he what didn't love it. No. Yeah. <laughs> head shake there's definitely star trek comic books aren't there probably we should probably read some of that yeah um there's star trek and there's star i don't know who did the star trek comics but the star wars comics are marvel i know there's star wars comics for sure there's also men in black you mentioned to us at one point as a comic which i did know but i totally erased it from it i feel like most like modern sci-fi movies have a comic that yeah. came first. But sometimes there's one that like really had a life of its own rather than just being like a tie-in comic and that's all there was. Like Men in Black. Although that might have been a comic first. I yeah, don't know. I think it was, yeah. I think we have to assume every great movie or television show was originally a novel or a comic book. Or both. Yeah. <laughs> like Lock and Key. Yeah. <laughs> How have you been holding up during quarantine, Monte? Terrible? Amazing? Medium? <laughs> He's got absolutely no expression on his face right now. <laughs> well, you know me. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> how I adapt so well to things. Uh, you know, I'm a very balanced, uh, measured, emotionally healthy person. Zen is I mean, what I would say about yeah. you. <laughs> I mean, your sarcasm is present, but also, who are you talking to? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I have been doing pretty okay. I've been super busy this week. I'm working from home, and work has been a little bit crazy for the past few weeks. And I decided to start a solo project, a spinoff comic (laughs) that's not at all related. It's called Half Past History. And or podcast, the, yeah, podcast, podcast, not comics. Yeah, <laughs> um, called Half Past History. That should be posted on Tuesday. Ooh. Hopefully, if I actually get it posted. If not this week, then next week. So nice. Everyone should listen to that if they like history or yeah. previous podcast. Don't talk about it. It's unspeakable. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I've been super busy with that. Uh, And super busy with work and trying to distract myself from the chaos of the world. The chaos. Well, I'm the opposite. I have been getting paid to not work because I work for a public institution that I can't do any work if it's not open, but they paid me. But I'm coming to the end of being paid, so I have to go get a job. But until now, I've been doing literally nothing, adjusting at different levels because the world is crazy, and that's crazy to me. I've been doing pretty good lately, but 
Also, I have to move, so I've been packing and moving things around because Melissa and I have lived together for like two and a half years. Don't ask me how long. I don't know. And by living together, I mean I'm living in her house like a mouse in the walls. (laughs) (laughs) I said, GTFO, Veronica. I have also been packing all week. We've got a new house and we're moving into a a better house. It's just better in every way. I could make a podcast about my grievances about this house, Uh, but I won't despite there probably being a very big market for it. Um, The complain um, about your house podcast. Complain about my house. You can't see it, but let me just bitch about it. Um, If you've been listening, you've heard the sounds of the house, including it is about 10 feet from a main road. Yeah, it's super great. I love every part about moving out of this house, which is I won't have to live in this house anymore. Um, And so that's happening soon. And... This is actually one of the last weekends, one of the last weekends we'll be in this house. Very nice. You guys are still welcome to uh, record your podcast in my new house, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) No one's welcome in the new house. Only Melissa and Adam are allowed in there. Melissa, not another shitty house cast. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. To maintain the podcast, you'll have to purposely move every year into a new shitty house. No, I have enough content about this house (laughs) that I could, it could be years. And by the time this stuff, grievances, is over, the new house will have something I can complain about, I'm sure. Complaint number one, Veronica is in the house. Yeah, first of all, (laughs) Veronica. Second of all, literally so many things. It's not important. It's not interesting. But it's everything and I hate it. It's true. But aside from the elephant in the room of your terrible house, you've also been working from home somewhat? Yeah, been working from home. Get to go into the office, unfortunately, every once in a while. Been battling to create a schedule with my coworkers about... How many people in the office is appropriate. <laughs> so, but every time I'm here at the house, it's great because great, I don't have to productive. see anyone or talk to anybody. And I only have to yell at my cats. I don't have to yell at people I work with. <laughs> I mean, sometimes you have to over the phone because they bring all their complaints to you. But overall, better. yeah. Well, that's a signal that it's time to talk about lumberjanes. And our drinks have been refreshed, and it's time to talk about Lumberjanes. Yup. So, <laughs> sorry. Um, so I picked this story, Lumber... Well, we picked this story collaboratively. Mm-hmm. I presented us with options, and this is what we picked. <laughs> and, Don't try to shift the blame. Huh? I mean, it was mostly me. I was like, we should do Lumberjanes. And then you all fell in line, like... Well, she- I'm also the one who told you about Noelle Stevenson being She-Ra. Yeah, whatever. So. She-Ra's amazing, and you're all she We all share the burden. Yes. Not so- to say that this was a bad guy. No, it wasn't. So, Lumberjanes is produced? Is that how you'd say it? Produced by neither Marvel nor DC. Published. Published. That's the word. Published. Not by Marvel or DC. It's by a smaller studio, company whatever uh called boom 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 it might be called boom boom i saw different things in different places yeah i'm not really sure but (laughs) boom was in it yes um and it was written by noelle stevenson and grace ellis 
Noel Stevenson is the creator, showrunner, and executive producer of She-Ra and the Princess of Princesses of Power, the which, new one. Which Melissa which, is a huge fan of. Yeah. She-Ra! Yeah, is, that still on? is it still being produced? Yeah, a uh, season five just came out. Cool. I've seen a few episodes, and it's very good. It's awesome. Especially if you're someone who likes the American style of cartoons inspired by Avatar The Last Airbender. You should watch She-Ra. Yeah. Yeah. So that's who she is. And also by Grace Ellis, who is a New York Times bestselling Eisner and Glad Award winning comic. And I think the Eisner and Glad Awards were both for Lumberjanes. At least one of the Eisners. Yeah. So that's who wrote it. It was illustrated by Brooke Allen, colored by Marta Laiho, and the lettering was done by Aubrey Ais, spelled A-I-E-S-E. Icy? Icy? Ais? I have no idea. I don't know. But so it was created pretty much completely by women. Yes, women. And it's a story that's about women, and it's largely well girls uh hardcore lady types yeah hardcore yeah. <laughs> lady types so yeah i guess we can start with overall impressions melissa do you want to go first well as someone who was in girl scouts for 10 years <laughs> yes this felt like if my girl scout experience had been more like an episode of adventure time this would have been more like that that's a great great comparison yeah I mean, it was obviously a whimsical <laughs> and delightful story about five, what was it? Hardcore lady types. Hardcore lady types. Not girls. Not girls um, who are in camp and they're doing awesome stuff. And it was great. Yes. They are some kind of scouts which are called lumberjanes. Yeah. So I thought it was really funny and I thought the pace was pretty fast. Um, there were a lot of things that I'm sure... It makes me compelled to read the rest of the story. A lot of stuff that we read didn't get explained in the four issues. We just read one through four. Um, so a lot of stuff wasn't, didn't have a full story arc, but, and, you know, it's a larger picture kind of thing. But it was funny and it was entertaining and the issues went by really fast and the artwork was hilarious and delightful and that's about it. Yeah. I agree. It was definitely very cute and very funny. I said funny word. Funny. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I like gave up on my voice. And very fun. Um, it definitely felt like what it was, which is an all ages comic. Like it's something that kids might enjoy just as much or more than the adults who read it. So I don't necessarily think I'm going to read any more because there's not as much there story wise. Like there's plenty of story. But it doesn't really feel as narrative. But it was super fun, super cute. Um, it made me laugh out loud a lot. It was very fast-paced. The art is gorgeous, especially a lot of the backgrounds. Like, it's very cartoony and stylized in kind of a simple way. But a lot of the backgrounds are super detailed and, like, painting style. Especially, I saw a lot of sunsets, a lot of night skies that... Just, I stayed on that panel for a long time staring at it. But overall, I would say I definitely enjoyed it, but I might not read it anymore because it's definitely sort of a kid's comic. Yeah. 
Yeah, I feel like the I'm not in the target audience. Yeah. I feel like <laughs> so it's I almost feel like bad for having. <laughs> I don't have a negative opinion of it. I thought it was good. I thought it was really cute. Like you said, it was drawn really well. It felt like watching a Nickelodeon show. Yes. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. I wouldn't do. So. <laughs> well, for me, it even felt like um, I like Invader Zim, which got canceled so long ago, but they started coming out with comics of it. They just came out with the new yeah, thing. Yeah, they've been continuing. I started reading it, but it just like, it definitely is better as a show than a comic. Because it's just kind of frenetic in a way that I can't really read into. Yeah, I was a little bit confused at parts, but it was it was really easy to read, uh, which obviously because it's a kid's <laughs> you know story, it would be right. Um, and there were definitely, I think the biggest thing that kind of threw me off during it was all the characters were extremely distinct Mm -hmm. and each of them were their own like thing. Yeah. Well characterized for sure. Yeah. But I didn't know like who any of them were, where they came from. (laughs) Oh yeah. Like nothing about them. And I kept thinking like they're going to introduce something about these characters to make me actually care about them. Right. But then that never really happened in the first four stories. And so it led to this thing where I was like, this is a really cute story, but I don't fucking care. This is a good point, because the narration was almost totally absent. Like, not all comics even have, like, narrative bubbles, but a lot of the time they'll have, like, flashbacks or something else to have, like, a kind of cohesive overlying narration. Yeah. And that was totally absent, I feel like. Yeah. Everything was perceptual for the characters, like, experiential. Yeah, which, again, that might be part of it being for a younger audience. Mm-hmm. Like, they're not going to care as much about that. But yeah, it was, for me, it was a little bit difficult to actually get into. And I'm going to say that the reason for that is because I'm not part of the (laughs) target audience. Very possible. I mean, it felt very much like the first chapter of the first Harry Potter book, Mm. where you, you don't even know he's a wizard yet. There's definitely stuff coming, and and they've set up so much stuff, but um, there's mostly questions being asked, and none of the answers. There are so many things that are not answered at all (laughs) in the first uh, four issues, Um, and mostly you just kind of get a feel of what these characters look like and what their general personalities are, but other than that, you know, we don't know who these people are and yeah, what their motivations are. It reminded me a lot of... There was a show with a really similar, like, premise, even. I don't know if it was on Nickelodeon, but it was some camp show, and it was very similar. Rooster Teeth has a show called Camp Camp. No. No, okay. Was it an animated show? Yeah. Okay. I mean, it was like, it was like a kid's, like, show. It was on Cartoon Network or something. Whatever, it's not important. I can't think of it. I mean, we would be the people to ask about animated shows. Well, I mean. But I don't remember one about a summer camp. I figured if anyone would know, it would be one of you. I would definitely Google this for you. I could have even seen it. But I don't don't pay for television, so I usually only see stuff briefly. Anyway, sorry, go on. Yeah, but that was the biggest thing for me was just... 
it was hard for me to actually care about the story that was being told and to really understand what was being told. Like, I didn't understand, like, how did they get there? How right. did they... To me, that was somewhat intriguing, but... Because I imagine, especially, there's a character named Ripley, who is very, like, frenetic, but very accepted by her other people. So I spent a lot of time imagining, like, these people are together for summer camp. What are they like? Like, are they friends outside of summer camp, or are they all disparate people who came together? But... Having read so much, I didn't think that that question was going to be answered. So it is kind of intriguing, but it doesn't really promise answers to those intriguing things. Yeah. I was intrigued at first, but then eventually I was like, well, I guess it doesn't really matter. Right. That's not what the story's about. Have either of you ever been to, like, summer camps? Yes. I went to... Yeah. I've been to day camps, but I also went to sleepaway Girl Scout camp at Camp Logan, which is the did, horse camp. Did they ever last, like, more than a week? Mine was only a week. Yeah. What about you, Monte? I think mine was also only a week. Maybe two. It wasn't super long. I went mm-hmm. to Boy Scout camp a few times. I went to... There was some Christian camp through my church that I went to. I think that was only a week, though. Yeah. But Boy Scout camp, I want to say it was multiple weeks. I actually chipped my tooth at oh, no. uh, Boy Scout camp because I ran into uh, some monkey bars. So. <laughs> Reasons to not go to camp. <laughs> yeah. That's why I hate nature. <laughs> Are you going to talk about Camp Potawatomi? Uh, oh, no. I just, I went to a load of camps and it's not because my parents hated me. Um, but I don't think. I spent many summers at home. I was going to say, the year that I went to a bunch of day camps is because my mom was like, they're not satisfied going to their grandma's through the whole summer. I'm going to sign them up for a different camp every other week. They were only day camps, though. To contain them. We went to like eight art camps over and over again. (laughs) I did a lot of camping as kids. Um, My dad was a Boy Scout leader and my mother was a Girl Scout leader. And obviously the Boy Scouts would always be a little bit more hardcore than the Girl Scouts. Mm -hmm. And by hardcore, I mean unreasonable (laughs) for 10-year-old children. (laughs) In that they would go, they like where the Girl Scouts might have a cabin that's not insulated, but at least it's a shelter. It's like a tent cabin with like a foundation with like sacking. Well, wood. Oh, you had actual nice wood. Well, I'm saying, you know. If you had to go to a camp and, you know, you could have your own tents, but you could have wooden cabins um, that you could sleep in um, and they wouldn't be insulated. But the Boy Scouts, they would go in January in the in in 12 inches of snow with their own tents and they had to just wear 10 socks and 10 pants and 10 shirts and have a tent and have two sleeping cases I'm telling you that my father ran a hardcore Boy Scout. Are you sure this wasn't just your father decided this was something to do? 100% it was my dad. (laughs) uh, Because he was the Boy Scout leader. Whereas the the Girl Scouts, I mean, like, we would go during the summer and we would go to certain camps that were, you know, suitable for children. Um, But, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, uh, my, my father would hardcore camp with his Boy Scouts. And I'm gonna say they hated it uh but they definitely don't they do it anymore definitely um, hated it they definitely hated it because um, that sounds awful it 
probably was. <laughs> he also had all this... Uh, honestly, I'm about to get into a bunch of old stories. My dad's complaining about how Boy Scouts aren't grateful some... for oh uh, the trips that they took, so it doesn't matter. This is just some dad baggage. We can shell this yeah. for now. <laughs> we don't have to go into it. Um, but just being in a camp, like I didn't, you know, yeah. we did different camps with different people. I did like a m- musical summer camp. I did Girl Scout summer camps. I did camps all the time. This sounds a lot like the Girl Scout summer camp I went to, except they're there the whole summer, apparently. Um, but yeah, like, you have a leader for your cabin. Right. You do things like hiking, learning to canoe, swimming, like a different thing every day right. that your counselor decides, and you go and do it. And then you get in trouble because you're 10-year-old girls. I don't know how old these girls are. They look older than 10, but they sound about 10. I feel like they... All looked like they were different ages, too. Yeah, especially um, there's a character, April, who's kind of like the super smart. She takes notes. She's got her diary with her all the time. On the covers of the issues, she looked a lot older and taller than she looked ever in the actual frame. She has a very sophisticated haircut. She does. (laughs) That most preteen girls would not have the time and effort to do during a, a camp. She seems like, yeah, the kind she's always got everything pulled together. Also, yeah. she's the most feminine in, which I've heard about She-Ra, people who are jerks would always be like, everyone can't be a lesbian. It's like, <laughs> everyone can be a lesbian. Yes. <laughs> the, the people who are butthurt about the new She-Ra are just upset that she is a realistic human female with realistic human female attributes. Which is something that's maintained in this, I think, because like, they're hardcore lady types, mm-hmm. but they're also excited about kittens. They're not afraid to like girly things, but they're also not like wilting flowers, which I appreciated all the way through. Yeah, well, like the yeah. Ripley character. Yes. Or also, every time they would curse, their first curse that they mostly used was what the junk, which is <laughs> adorable, but like not like saccharine. Like, I would say that. <laughs> But all their other curses were, like, I assume all just feminist. Um, I wrote a bunch of them. Oh, my Bessie Coleman. Where the Phyllis Wheatley. All that stuff. Very fun. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Was it the same character who said all of those things? Wasn't it April who said, who kept doing that? I did not write down who wrote I thought it was Mal who said the... The first one you said. Oh, it could have been. It might have been different ones. I I think April talked the most, so she might have said several of them. Yeah, I noticed April did it at least twice. Yeah, yeah, I definitely think they did a good job of presenting five different personalities to distinguish between, and they were very human personalities. I think they get it did a good job over time, and visually, it's pretty good. But I could tell at the beginning that I was going to have kind of a hard time with their names because they're all introduced pretty much the same time. Yeah. So there's April, who is, like, kind of systematic, and she writes things down and tries to be the leader. Molly, sort of, like, quieter, tall, blonde. She has a raccoon skin hat, which, if you read into Chapter 5, which we did not, but I looked at it, secret about that hat. Um, Ripley is tiny and she's super energetic and like frenetic and just running around all the time. Mal, kind of like a grunge style person, totally like has a crush on Molly or they're in a relationship. Don't know. And Joe, I don't know what Joe's personality was really. 
Um, she seemed like the most responsible one. She was the one that was paying attention to certain things that no one else was paying attention to, like that mysterious gold ring that showed up. That was super cool. I yeah. like that. Did you notice all the the scout lads, lad scouts, <laughs> their little tie pins were in the shape of that scary yeah. eye medallion? Yeah. Oh, right. That's they... what turned them into the things. Yeah, yeah, it's what glowed, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, so... But yeah, they're, so they're all cabin mates and they have their counselor, Jen, that they try to ditch. Yeah. So since Veronica did my sorry, part I'm and sorry. introduced all the characters, uh, um, shame. <laughs> I guess we could go to. Uh, that was just a quick one. We could talk about maybe, more. like which one was your favorite? Like, which one did you guys relate to the most? I think I related most to Molly, who was the blonde, kind of. I don't want to say mousy, but just kind of like. For sure. She was concerned kind of... about doing the mm-hmm. right thing. Like She right. was also the less specifically styled one, so that was definitely also her visual cues. Like she had cargo shorts, like a boy shirt, but long hair and her raccoon hat, so I'd say kind of mousy is a little bit of her identity. I was alternated between Mal and Joe, because I like the grunge look, but I'm not sure which one. They were kind of characterized a bit less than everyone else, I felt like, so I'm not sure. Really? I thought Mal's character was really distinct. Like, she was very worried about everything. That's true. Like, super protective, mm-hmm. uh, especially of Molly, but yeah. of everyone, really. <laughs> and then Molly was also, like, I noticed Molly taking responsibility for other yeah. people. Molly even had kind of, like, it felt a little bit forced, but some, like, characterization where she, um... She tripped, they get into all kinds of shenanigans, and they end up in, like, a booby-trapped cave, and Molly's the one who accidentally triggers all the traps, like, not really through any fault of her own, but then she also goes to rescue her hat and gets mal-injured, and then she kind of feels bad and feels like she has, she's like, why am I here? But then she's the one who recognizes the anagrams and is able to solve a puzzle, so. Yeah, she felt very, like, responsible and, like, self-reflective. But I'm not sure. Either Joe or Mal, prob- I'm leaning towards Mal a little bit. Because she had a sweet undercut. <laughs> I don't have an undercut anymore because of quarantine hair. But <laughs> yes. um, how about you, Melissa? I really enjoyed April because, one, she was the one taking all the notes. She was the one writing everything down. And then when, um, who was it? Was it Molly figured out the anagram and she took her diary and ripped out the pages and April was devastated yes. that she had defiled her notes uh which I related to yes um, let me just say was she the one who got the pungent master yeah. badge yeah. I she wrote did. that's Melissa doesn't match up but I wrote for Monte when Mal was freaking out they're all based on true events when yeah, she was scared of being in the canoe. Yeah, she seemed very rational. There was definitely a there was a, a maybe I'd be more Joe then. a panel where April just said, "But it doesn't make any sense." <laughs> um, yes, that felt a great. lot like you. I agree. Which was really great. Also, Pungent Master. Also, the Pungent Master. Love me some puns. Do you think those are good? You sure do. Deter- <laughs> What? Do you think those are good determinations of who our characters would be, Monte? Oh, yeah, sure. (laughs) (laughs) 
but I felt everyone was pretty relatable except Ripley, who was like super cute, but like I don't think I'm as frenetic as that. A food monster. <laughs> yeah. Oh, except actually, I changed my mind. She's the most relatable. I would have also taken all of the cookies. <laughs> she had to go to the bathroom a lot. She took all the cookies, <laughs> and she was the most headstrong. <laughs> Never mind, I'm Ripley. Ripley is the most relatable of all of these characters. Um, Actually, so I was focusing on the campers, but I think the character that I most relate to is probably Jen. Oh, yeah. yeah. (laughs) I work with teenagers, so yeah, actually. Very frustrated all the time. Right. She cares. I love you all, but God, I fucking hate you. For real, Jen, but if we take the conceit of the comic that it's the right thing to do to run away from your counselor and cause chaos, then whatever else we decided. (laughs) Right. Monte and I uh, are rule followers. We love the rules. We love that structure. And Jen was just a breath of fresh air (laughs) of trying to just keep everyone in line for God's sake. Yes. I think if I was in a different group, I would also be considered the rule follower. But since I'm in this group, I'm the least rule follower. Yeah. Compared to me and Monte, you're a uh, I'm rogue. just I'm just like rogue. chaotic evil compared to you guys. Like, just pure chaos yes. over there. But if you take me out of this context, I'm a pretty rule followy type of person. Yeah, but not enough. Yes. I, I just believe in the rules, rules for, better. like, simplicity's sake, but you guys truly believe in the rules. <laughs> yeah, you could you could follow the rules better. Yeah, we both agree that you can do a lot better. I'm, like, one tick ruleful of average, but you guys are full on top of the scale. So, yeah, I guess we can talk kind of about what happened. And this is, again, I feel like a flaw of not really having very much narration because I couldn't really tell you what the point was but overall what happened in the story was there's these five girls or what hardcore lady folk these five or lady types hardcore hardcore lady lady types types, (laughs) um at this camp which I thought at first that everybody knew that there was supernatural stuff going on at the camp but it seemed as the story went on like they didn't it was kind of a cold open so yeah yeah so they're at this camp and all of this supernatural stuff is happening they start off fighting these three-eyed foxes and then there's a bunch of like three-eyed animals throughout the story which i'm not sure what the significance of it is i think it not really communicating the story but i think it's that like that medallion type thing is the supernatural part so that's like their third eye that they the a fox left behind when he was like vaporized by ripley's punch by ripley's <laughs> punch um but yeah i i don't know because it's not explained yet yeah so their first adventure is fighting those foxes um after they, following a bear woman yeah they reference a bear woman who we don't see i want the bear woman <laughs> yeah. i wanted to just be a bear but yeah <laughs> <laughs> they're uh Second adventure is when they are white water rafting with Jin, and then a fucking sea monster <laughs> attacks them. I fucking hate if he's a river monster. Excuse me. I did not like him. He was not my friend. I don't know about you guys, but every summer, that was what we had to deal with. It was like <laughs> monster after sea monster. It was... <sighs> 
tedious. Yeah, and I think that during that scene, like where the river monster attacks, and also the lead up to that is where you really see their distinct personalities. That's when you start to see it the most. Yeah. Like in the first part, it's kind of there, but right. But you don't really, really get overlapping. Any, you don't really get any foundation for it. Like it's just they're in a extreme circumstance of fighting fox monsters, and they're just kind of fighting. So you don't really see their personalities as much. Yeah. So then after that, so after that, they get shipwrecked <laughs> by the river monster, <laughs> and then they end up going down into a cave. There was a little bit of a dire circumstance there because, like, Mal stopped breathing and needed to be <gasps> resuscitated, right? I was oh, yeah, a little surprised that. that that happened. She had little X eyes and everything. I was also <laughs> surprised that none of them had first aid training right. because I also went to camp and, come on, guys, you're old enough to have Quadruple. gotten in a first aid training. Like, you should know CPR. Come on. <laughs> Quadruple. Well, first of all, we don't. We have no idea how old they are. Very ambiguous. But also quadruple surprise that Molly continued to be wearing a baby life jacket. That is not acceptable. Yeah, how not Jen cool, let Molly. that slide is yeah, no. really on Jen. Yeah, I mean, your respect, your rule following respect for Jen falls when yeah. she lets someone wear a The baby moment someone says, jacket. I'm wearing a baby life jacket, you should probably get them a adult size life jacket. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, Jen is the real there. villain here. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so they fall down the We find out in issue 10, (laughs) Jen has actually been trying to kill them the whole time. So they resuscitate Mal and then head back to the camp. But on the way there, they come across this cave, which they go into. And that's when I think Joe's personality comes out the most during the cave, Mm -hmm. um, where she's like solving the problems. Her whole personality is really understated though compared to the other one so i feel like she gets kind of lost in the sauce a little bit i say her her name is also said only like twice in the whole comic so i wrote i was writing it down as i went because they're all introduced at once without any background with like a cold open so i was writing down mal looks like this so i could remember but joe's name i think is only said like two or three times i actually remembered her name because i've read little women before and recently watched the movie that just came out about it. <laughs> and honestly, not saying their characters are the same. But there's a character named Joe in Little Women oh. that sort of reminded me of her. So I was able to put Maybe that. Maybe she's named after her. I'm just going to say canon. Yes, yes, she is. <laughs> the hardest names to remember were Mal and Molly because they have. Too close. Too close. But they are different characters. It's just hard to remember their names. Yeah. So they solve a few, like, math problems, a few word puzzles, etc. Mathematical! (laughs) That's where it really felt like a kid's story, because, like, it's the Fibonacci sequence. They're anagrams, or whatever. It's like, (laughs) those are kind of the most basic, like, (laughs) this is a code things that you could come across. (laughs) Sort of, like, series of unfortunate events where it's, like, literally giving you vocabulary words and defining them for you, like... Great when I was in elementary school. I learned lots of words, but also I'm not in elementary school. Yes. So yeah, that was great for kids. And then they, so what do they actually find? It's, oh, they find directions to the next place that they need to go. Oh, right. Which they'd seen before. There's like a lighthouse near the lake. And the thing that the foxes screamed, which was beware the kitten holy, which is the name of the ark actually. Mm -hmm. It's called beware the kitten holy, but it's an anagram for... In the tower by the lake. 
Yeah. Right. So, That's their direction. Which Molly figures out yes. by ripping up poor April's <laughs> notebook that, that was... did nothing wrong. You could have used the pages to rewrite the words. I mean, you could even have asked her. I felt like that was a little rude. She was like, let me see your journal. It's a diary, but let me see it. And then just rips the pages. April's <laughs> anguish in that moment like, no. is my life. <laughs> yes. And I also related to Molly much more in that sequence than anything else because I can completely relate to no I have an idea shut up I don't care I have an idea but my book <laughs> yes no explanation uh, were you with us when we did that escape room yes I was I don't really remember doing it because it was a long yeah. time ago but also, I don't remember much from it but we should do another escape room we should, we should. Anyway, um moving on <laughs> so yeah they head over to the lighthouse eventually they reunite with Jen who thought that they were dead and was devastated uh, <laughs> because like there was a lot of paperwork she would have to fill out <laughs> mostly the paperwork the park director is literally like oh they're here bye park ranger he was filling <laughs> out he was filling out paperwork and they were like just leave <laughs> we don't care anymore they're fine yeah so they reunite with Jen and then head off to try to find this lighthouse right well they're jen is not cooperating they just go well, no. on a hike and they're trying to escape to find the lighthouse. yeah so eventually they do get away with jen or get away from jen and then they find a yeti who attacks them he was a very <laughs> cool yeti <laughs> yeah so i like cool. the art is really good i really liked the yeti drawing yeah yeah um he had a tattoo and a mustache <laughs> <laughs> So the tattooed Yeti attacks them. Um, they get away from him, though, and reunite with Jen again. And then they find, by various hijinks, a Boy Scout camp. Yeah. Not actual Boy Scouts. Right. They're but... called, like, Scout Lads or Lad Scouts. But they actually have uniforms with yes. badges on them and not grungy, smuffy outfits yes. of yeah. whatever they're Jen wearing. Jen is very impressed that they do what their counselor tells them to. Mm-hmm. Jen has a just absolute infatuation with the <laughs> orderly, <laughs> essentially Boy Scouts is what they are. Yeah, she like asked their leader multiple times. She was like, they just do what you tell them? <laughs> Not the overall leader, but the like leader of their Their counselor. Yeah, yeah. And, they're, and it's like they, they're at a camp for boys. Be watchful. Be prepared. <laughs> yeah. So the boys help them, which I thought it was a really sweet little aside. Uh, yeah. The way that the little boys like to make cookies and, and stuff. And scrapbook. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, Serve tea. And yeah. they were precious. And the counselor comes in and he's like, <laughs> what is he? It's the head so of the camp. Yeah. He, what is he? Camp the, yeah, the head of the camp. Well, first of all, it says wipe your feet on the door. And he does not when he comes in. But yeah. But he says something about a tea kettle. I, I thought I heard a tea kettle. Pathetic. Yeah. 
He's like your typical manly lumberjack man in like a safari outfit. Yeah, <laughs> there's so, only one kind of man and there's no tea kettles involved. Yeah. <laughs> so he gets really pissed at them for baking cookies and making tea. He's getting furious. His face is red. He's got that like tick vein from like manga and he's just mad. He's spitting all over Jen by he's got a, screaming in her face. A neck that's thicker than his waist. Yes. Yeah. And then he leaves... I don't remember why. Not really important, but... Uh, oh, he goes to smoke a pipe and split wood. I'm going to catch a fish by wrestling it from a bear. Yeah. <laughs> Very manly. <laughs> Love that. So they eventually ditch Jin with the help of the Boy Scouts and uh, make it to the lighthouse where they find a bow. Don't know the significance of it. Doesn't really matter, but that's pretty much where it ends. Eventually, the boy, the Boy Scouts, their little necklaces glow, start glowing, and then they turn into these feral zombie monsters. At first, I thought they were turning into werewolves because the first boy who changes has like, I don't know if it's the art or if he has like facial hair, but it looks like he's becoming a hairy werewolf man. Yeah, I thought that also, but they don't. Um, but their their own personalities remain enough that when Jen throws a bowl of beads or something on the ground, they have yeah. to stop yeah. and pick it up. <laughs> Which reminded me of, like, there's something about vampires that, like, you're supposed to be able to stop them by throwing a bowl of rice because then they have to count it. Like, they're compelled to count. Yeah, they're which OCD. Is... So when the little Moving boys <laughs> are having to pick up after the little girls, because <laughs> yes. it's usually the boys who get to make a mess. It's honestly, it's it's just hilarious seeing an orderly and contained, seemingly clean. normal, clean Boy Scout village where they're like, we do things by the rules and by the book. And Jen loves it. She's into it. She's like, yes, I should have been a Boy Scout leader because these guys know how to party um, by cleaning and making tea and cookies um, and just keeping quiet and going to bed when they're supposed to. But then there's some evil stuff going on, which Which Joe at, right, go on. picks up on right away. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then April convinces her that it's fine, <laughs> but it's not. It's not fine. Yeah. April's right. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. So in the end, it's not really explained what's going on. No. But we get the impression that that's kind of the overarching thing. And I peeked in, I assume you did, Monte, too, because you love to read ahead at the fifth volume just to make sure, like, it doesn't pick right up from the same spot. But it kind of is a reset. So definitely this is something that's supposed to be the overarching mystery. Yeah. It seems like. I didn't read ahead because, like I said, <laughs> it's Rule not follower. really for me. I only read, like, a third of the next chapter just to make sure that nothing new was nothing was happening that was the same story yeah it definitely seems like a really awesome story i had known about but it didn't exist when i was in middle school it would have been an, uh, just a really empowering and uplifting and positive story to read of just other fellow girl scout type uh characters and hijinks that yeah. were going off having adventures. It seems like something I would have really enjoyed and devoured when I was in middle school and high school. Yeah, so that's yes. the thing. Like, I don't necessarily want to keep reading it, but I was very excited about a lot of the things, like the cursing that was just saying the names of feminists as if they're 
as though you would say, oh my God, but then you say, oh my Phyllis Wheatley. Um, <laughs> not that all those people are necessarily feminists, but they're famous women from history. And that there's all these different types of girls, including a really feminine uh, presenting one, and it's just like super acceptable. And there's these boys who like order and whatnot, and it's a book for hardcore lady types. Yeah, it just, don't have to hate kittens just because yeah, they're hardcore. There's something relatable in each one person. So, Ooh. Phyllis Wheatley mm. is not Phyllis Schlafly. Phyllis Schlafly is the devil. And so every <laughs> <you> time <laughs> you kept saying you kept saying Phyllis Wheatley, and you were like feminist, and I was like, Phyllis Wheatley is like some ultra conservative. Like she was the she was the anti-feminist lawyer woman who was all against abortion stuff but no that's phyllis schlafly i forget who phyllis wheatley is she's She's the first african-american author of a published book of poetry yeah phyllis wheatley was an author phyllis schlafly is a demonist so this whole this whole time monte yeah i was so confused every time you were saying that i was like maybe i'm wrong and i was wrong so good (laughs) i was also some of them I didn't recognize, but in the fifth chapter that we didn't read, the first one that is mentioned is Holy Bell Hooks, who I love Bell Hooks. Anyway, feminists <laughs> are great. But yeah, it's it I'm pleased that this exists. I don't think it's bad by any measure. It's just like not necessarily what I'm up to reading right, right. now. No, and I mean, even when I was in middle school, I would have really liked reading this. Yeah. When you want to read a more casual thing that clips along pretty fast, you don't necessarily want a lot of, like, literary depth to it. Which there's not no literary depth. Like, maybe I'm projecting things onto it, but I noticed a lot of things. Like, for instance, they spend the whole, like, last volume with poison ivy ointment on them. But my impression was that it was, like, woad, like, warrior paint. And I was like, aw, how cute. I would say Anne of Green Gables, Little Women... (laughs) And Lumberjanes are we're all they should all be in the same group of things mm-hmm. that young people should read. Yeah. Throw little my the little princess, secret garden. Yep. All that shit I read in elementary and middle school. <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously it's a good thing for like young girls to read, but I feel like young boys would benefit a lot oh, from 100%. reading this kind of thing too. 100%. Yes. 100%. Just like seeing Girls as humans yes. in media. Yes. <laughs> yes. And seeing, seeing boys as who they can be and are. Yeah. Like, and also seeing a majority women cast. Like, not yeah. just one, the token female character. And we uh, we relate to her, but also she's the only one. Like, Yeah. I feel like a lot of middle school boys engage with female characters as, like, this is the girl that I would have a crush on. Yeah. Which is why, like, having the one character, like, the one female character in a story, like Jean Grey in X-Men, right. or et cetera. Or like, She-Ra in He-Man. Yeah. From the yes. 80s. Yeah, yeah. Like, and when that's he... the yeah. girl that you can latch on to. Exactly. Right. And... and there's nothing wrong with having a crush on a character, but I feel like... It's if that's a... the only one. Right. It's especially easy to actually identify with someone when they're the main character. Like, I'm rereading a series of mystery books right now, and it starts off with just the detective, and he's a guy. 
and I never thought to have a crush on him until it introduced his love interest and she was like a narrating character and I could identify with her. So it's great to just have that. This yeah. is the protagonist and yeah. you are reading it so you are identifying with that person mm-hmm. rather than having a crush on them, which is fine, but also. Someone who re-listens to the Harry Potter audiobooks every single year, <laughs> um, I would say that this is something, if you're an adult, you should read it. If you like reading things that are fun and lighthearted and you also, you know, maybe are in the same group of people who might re-listen to audiobooks from children's books every single year because you love them, it's lighthearted and funny and wholesome and it's just all around good in every single way. If you have trouble with sort of more shallow things, I might start with She-Ra. Because as a TV show, it had to have more narration and more backstory and more, like, narrative cohesion. And then maybe if you really love Noelle Stevenson, you can read this as a Noelle Stevenson thing. But if you're okay with that, for sure read this. Like, it's fun. It's pretty. Shira's amazing. And everyone should watch it. And it... And, like, I'm not saying that if I was president of the United States that I would make it mandatory for every human being who's a citizen (laughs) of the United States to watch this. I'm not saying I would do that. I'm just saying I would consider it. It's, like, (laughs) one of the prerequisites for citizenship. (laughs) All new citizens need to watch Shira because it's such just, it's, it's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. And it's good. And you should watch it. And anyone who hates it is sad (laughs) is a sad sad person who can't find joy in life i agree like i don't really like to watch continuous tv but every episode i saw i was invested in and watching and like every issue i read of this i was invested in while i was reading it i just didn't necessarily feel like i really needed to know what happened next (laughs) yeah so any uh last things any like overarching themes or is it overarching or overarching? I think it's either. I think you can say arch or arc in oh, that situation. Well, fine. At least that's what I've always done. Given what we've said, I think there is some depth to it that you would probably get if you kept reading. Like there were a few things, questions that were never answered. Little artistic things like, I swear that Ripley fell out of a tree at one point and I swear that tree was hinged. I'm like, what is happening? Yeah, that was, it, it opened the cave. Right. Oh, good point. I didn't realize that. That cave was there. It has statues in it. Shout out to statue guy who arm wrestled them. He was cool. He waved goodbye to them, even though they snapped his arm off. That was April, by the way. Yes, April, the tiniest, by picking up his arm and using it to wave at them. Like, everyone is so kind, even after they've... Even the (laughs) argumentative people, like the camp director, like, it's still cute and harmless and good for kids to read. It's a good comic. It's just not for me. Yeah, that's what I don't I don't think it was like shallow or bad or anything. I just think it was for a different audience that I'm not a part of. For sure. Which is fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's (laughs) fine. I'm gonna say it's good, but I'm not gonna read anymore. (laughs) I mean, I haven't read any more of any of the other comics either, but I felt like maybe I wanted to. So there's that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just bad at following through. Also, we're in a global pandemic, and I can't concentrate on anything. Yeah. That's my excuse. All right. So, Veronica, what are we reading next week? All right. I had sort of a crisis of conscience, which I asked Melissa to counsel me through, and I decided I'm just going to do it. 
Usually I try to pick comics that I think you'll like and you'll like and I'll like to like enjoy them. But also the only comic I've really read is Sandman. So we're going to read some Sandman. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I looked through to find one that sort of stands by itself, but is also good. So we're not going to read at the beginning. We're going to read A Game of You, which is the fifth physical volume. It's still in volume two, which is all of the Sandman. It has very few recurring characters. It doesn't have quite that 80s art style, but it is a lot like The Killing Joke in a lot of ways. So I don't necessarily think we'll love it 100%, but it's my history of comics, and I think we'll have a lot to say about it. So what it is is Sandman volume two, Issues 32 through 37, so it's six issues, which is a little more than we usually do, but that's what it is. (laughs) (laughs) Also, I uh, forgot to say at the beginning that Lumberjanes is available on Comixology for $1.99 per issue. Same for Sandman. I looked it up. Also available on Comixology. We realized that it might be hard to follow along with us if we don't tell you where you can get the comics. Mm-hmm. Sandman is also DC, so maybe if you have the DC membership, you can get it. It's volume two, issues 32 through 37. They say a game of you. So and... if you want to talk to me, Melissa specifically, where do you contact me at? How do you contact <laughs> I mean, me? You can contact all of us on Twitter and Instagram, <laughs> but Melissa's the one who will notice first, especially the Instagram, uh, at bottle comic or you can email us and we will be so excited to get your email at the bottle comic at gmail.com that is the bottle comic at gmail.com you don't understand how excited we would be we would be if we got that email so jazzed oh i would be the most jazzed if the person who or the people who made three downloads from australia you if you're in australia and you listen to our podcast email me and tell me that you live in Australia. Just, like, you don't even have to have anything to say. It'll be great. You just anyway. want to say hi because we're in a global pandemic? Yeah. It's fine. We love you, Australia. Anyway. I hate Australia. Because <gasps> right. they have so many animals. Monte's only one of three. It's fine. <laughs> we won't show him the email, but we will read it in the podcast if you want us to. It'll be great. Um, or our one listener in Germany and our one listener in Finland. Email us. Yay! Or any of the various U.S. people who are listening, but not. Nah, we don't want to hear from you. (laughs) (laughs) Only foreigners. U.S. is boring. (laughs) Boo. So anyways, uh, yeah. Also, if you feel so inclined, you can rate us on iTunes. Yes. You can subscribe. Rate us on Spotify. I don't think you can. Oh, damn. Say, that's where 50, more than 50% of our listeners are. So it's the bottle comic. The Bottle Comic. Rate us. Email us. Twitter us. Whatever. Listen to Monte's other podcast. Yeah, you can also listen to it. It'll be on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and all that other stuff. All that jazz. And we'll be back next week with Sandman. The gritty, moody... This one's from the early 90s, but it started in the late 80s. I'm so excited. Written by Neil Gaiman. (laughs) Yeah, Neil Gaiman! (laughs) Neil Gaiman! I do like Neil Gaiman. He's pretty great. We'll talk so about So anyways, this has been going on for too long. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye.